and welcome to Jiu-Jitsu 22. I'm Tish Jerkin, and today's item on the list of supposed Republican strongsuits that are really weak spots is, when it comes to schools, the GOP endangers kids and disempowers parents. Of course, that has been one of the GOP's most effective attacks on Democrats, all the more so because it is aimed straight at the suburban moms who comprise an all-important part of the all-important swing vote. First casting Democrats as the villains who stuck families with COVID-related school closures, immunization requirements, and mask mandates, the GOP has since made it its mission to stand with parents against not just COVID mitigation, but indoctrination into pernicious lefty ideas about race, sexual orientation, and gender identity. Strategy-wise, at first glance, this makes all kinds of sense. It emphasizes keeping the schools open and the kids learning, which appeals to everyone. Meanwhile, ginning up culture wars that turbocharge the GOP base and only alienate the liberals whom they've alienated anyway. Genius, right? Wrong. The more I look at the parental rights movement in education, the more I think that it stands to be about as politically problem-free for Republicans as the overturning of Roe v. Wade. If Democrats have any sense... This will become a whole new way for the GOP dog to catch the average American car. Because in the end, how many American parents really want the right to schools that have no staff? I think in the past year and a half or so, ever since Glenn Youngkin rode suburban school parent angst to the governorship of Virginia, people have gotten so used to marveling at the GOP's mastery of the politics of public schools, we haven't really looked at the real-life policy implications. I'm not talking this time about the red-hot issue of curricular content, but just the flat-out daily functioning of our K-12 educational system, which, as COVID reminded us, is so crucial to the flat-out daily functioning of so much else. The GOP seems to have a two-prong approach to this. One, do everything possible to keep COVID alive and well and spreading and mutating as far into the future as possible. And two, make all the teachers want to quit. An especially um, counterintuitive move amid a massive teacher shortage. Thank God and science, it doesn't seem as if COVID is going to close too many schools for too much of the upcoming year. So I won't bother relitigating the GOP's strange success in turning previous shutdowns, disruptions, and regulations against Democrats. I'll just quickly mention three points. One, in the fall of 2021 and the winter of 2022, Amid the surges of Delta and Omicron, respectively, it wasn't draconian democratic restrictions that shut down schools and sometimes entire school districts. It was the student and staff absences caused by COVID itself, most notably, if unsurprisingly, in the largely red places that shirked and scorned and sometimes outright forbade the taking of any effective steps to fight the virus. Two, if... God forbid the remote learning monster should ever again rear its ugly head. Let's remember that it was Democrats who wanted to fund efforts to get ahead of any future surges and Republicans who refused to do so. And three, given all the attention paid to GOP opposition to requiring anyone to be vaccinated against COVID, it's easy to miss the truly remarkable degree to which even their less extreme elements have turned against the idea of requiring anyone to be vaccinated against anything. Kudos and congratulations to the GOP on its making great short-term political hay out of everyone's weariness with COVID and wariness of being told what to do. But going forward, shouldn't they at least be asked? 
do you really want to accelerate the already apparent, if amazing, return of measles, whooping cough, and polio? Can you possibly fail to see that courting such a development will guarantee periodic disaster for schools and families long after COVID is tamed? But that's a question for the future. How about the huge mess our schools are in right now, the direct cause of which is that massive shortage of teachers? If you just look at the national emergency that is our current dearth of classroom instructors, and at the same time look at the hostility the GOP has long since adopted, but more recently sharpened and poison-tipped toward teachers, you will be struck with a whole new level of awe at their ability to convince people that they are the ones who will deliver kids and parents from the hell of chaos in our schools. Of course, by the time COVID hit, many teachers in many places had already just about had it. Remember the wave of teacher strikes of 2018? The ones that shut down schools in West Virginia, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Arizona, and yes, true blue Los Angeles? At that time, adjusting for inflation, Teachers nationwide had already taken an average pay cut of 3%, and in some places, more like 10%. And that's no surprise. As a result of the Great Recession of 2008, American schools lost an enormous amount of funding that has never really come back. The results are plain to see in the pathetic overall state of school infrastructure, which earned a D-plus from the American Society of Civil Engineers both in 2017 and in 2021. As with so many other unsettling facts of life in our society, COVID trained a light on the clogs, cracks, and crevices in our temples of learning, in many of which it turned out good ventilation, frequent hand washing, and the avoidance of being crammed in close together were not common sense solutions, but the stuff of impossible dreams. So let's say you're a public school teacher circa 2019 with COVID just around the corner. You've got charge of 20 to 30 kids, very possibly in a building where you can't open a window or count on the toilet to flush every time. Your rate of pay has likely fallen in real terms, and yet, because your salary isn't the only thing in public education that the government has been skimping on, you are also likely taking something out of that salary to cover some of your own teaching materials or school supplies for your kids. Thanks to all the standardization requirements that keep coming down the pike, sent in fairness by both parties, you seem to be doing less teaching and more test prep every year not to mention more and more paperwork. And of course, by now, you've probably gotten used to those active shooter drills, although perhaps not to the idea, favored by some red state policymakers, that should the need arrive, it should be your job to shoot the shooter. Then comes COVID. Lucky you! You get to figure out online teaching, perhaps with your own children in the next room doing their online learning. But after a while, thank God, experts get some sense of what causes the spread of COVID and produce key tools to minimize that, which means, yay, you can get back to school. But of course, before doing so, you're going to want there to be some strong safety protocols in place, at the mention of which, if you happen to live in a place that is governed by someone with presidential aspirations on the Republican side, you are met with, what? Do you expect the schools to mandate or even strongly incentivize vaccination or masks just to protect you or any vulnerable members of your family? The nerve. Get back in that classroom before we show you what a real hike in your health insurance premium looks like. Look, I'm not saying that all teachers are saints or that the teachers' unions always play fair or that the public schools don't have problems. A country in which half the students don't read at grade level is not a country in which the education establishment ought to be taking a bow. But as a good practicing capitalist, I know the law of supply and demand. In 2019, 
the U.S. had an acute teacher shortage to the tune of about 110,000 vacancies. By 2021, that figure had basically tripled. Meanwhile, there's that tight labor market we all keep hearing about. American workers feeling dissatisfied with the field they are in have more opportunity than ever to go try something else. Thus, for anyone eager to get the schools back on track, jobs number one, two, three, and four are attract and retain teachers. Now, this is a problem for all states, red, blue, and purple, and all states have been scrambling to address it. Just about everybody's trying to come up with some combination of raises, bonuses, benefits, and creativity with the concept of certification. Arizona is allowing undergraduates to take over some teaching. Georgia is trying to lure retirees back at full pension and full pay. Florida is now recruiting military veterans, with or without a background in education, to take on Operation Fill Those Slots somehow. Against such a backdrop, it's to the great credit of Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and his Republican-majority legislature that in the past few years, they have passed more than $1 billion in salary increases for teachers. But what else have DeSantis and like-minded Republicans been doing lately? Faced with the fact of burned-out and demoralized educators leaving the profession in droves, some of the brightest stars, the heaviest hitters, the biggest kahunas in the Republican Party have come up with you know what? We'll accuse teachers of pedophilia. Well, grooming anyway, and anti-white racism. And we'll pass legislation that won't spell out exactly what they aren't allowed to do and say about history and sex, but will empower parents to sue them directly for doing and saying whatever history and sex-related stuff those parents turn out not to like. That'll keep them from quitting. Meanwhile, they're still blasting and voting against any federal funding to help with any of the chronic workaday material problems. Although they don't mind using the money once the Democrats provide it. So if you're a teacher or a principal in Florida, be sure to thank President Biden for the 1000 buck bonus Governor DeSantis is also giving you. And at the state level, their candidates are still looking straight past schools that are short on staff and long on physical plant problems and heading right for their happy place of pledging to cut taxes by cutting education. Now, the GOP is absolutely free to sell itself as the party that is going to liberate the public from public education. In fact, it's been selling itself that way for a very long time. The Republicans who want to cut taxes no matter what, and the Republicans who want to push private, religious, and at-home alternatives no matter what, have long made the decimation of public schools their common cause. The painting of teachers as the lazy, overpaid beneficiaries of whiny, greedy unions has long been deployed to this end. The predator thing is a new twist. Very often, in response to this parents' rights gambit, the pushback has been which parents? In other words, left-wing advocates say, and say rightly, the GOP is hyper-focusing on white, conservative, Christian, heterosexual parents and ignoring LGBTQ parents, parents of color, and straight white liberal parents who love to kill a mockingbird. That's an absolutely legitimate way to see things. But if I were running in the midterms, I'd draw the line another way. I'd draw the line between parents whose radical right-wing convictions are so essential that they are willing to cripple the schools and screw up their kids' shot at their first-choice college and their own dependable, taxpayer-funded daycare arrangement in service of those convictions versus parents of every other kind. Because this isn't solely an ideological contest. Not at a time when teachers are streaming for the exits and making no bones about the fact that they are doing so as a result of eroding pay standards, 
deteriorating work conditions, and the giant spitball of fury that the people in charge of their school systems are rolling up, embedding with nails, setting on fire, and throwing at them. The GOP cannot do all that and also sell itself to fed-up, COVID-battered suburban swing voter parents as the party that will keep the lights on, the doors open, and the young minds whirring away at the schools where more than 90% of American children actually go right now. Appalled though I am by the rank bigotry that undergirds this whole GOP project, the question I think Democrats ought to pose to swing voter parents isn't the moral and intellectual question of, do you stand for or against marginalized communities as they are treated in school and in school materials? Rather, it's the practical question of, are you so upset at the idea of having a math or science teacher who views and treats LGBTQ kids and their parents as perfectly normal that you would rather have no math or science teacher at all? Are you so angry at the fully certified, experienced history teacher who can't and won't find a way to soften the story of slavery that you'd exchange that teacher for an undergrad or a hastily seconded soldier? Nobody likes to pay taxes, but do you hate paying taxes more than you hate the idea of adopting a four-day school week or putting your kids' chances at college in the hands of a very well-meaning sub? Vouchers, smouchers, this is the real debate over school choice. Just a few days before I sat down to tape this episode, the craven $800,000 a day conspiracy monger Alex Jones had finally been hit with the first, but God willing, not the last, major court judgment against him for defaming the parents of children shot dead at Sandy Hook. So I can't possibly talk to you about the politics of American schools without noting that that school was closed for four years. Actually, its building was destroyed and replaced, and then the school reopened after four years. Now, I can't bring myself to believe that even the most odious politician welcomes the murder of children. But the vast majority of Republican politicians certainly refuse to do anything much about it. If you hold GOP indifference to gun violence in schools against GOP hysteria over COVID mitigation measures in schools, you see the contrast as almost comically bizarre. On any given day, the GOP literally expresses more outrage about the idea of children wearing masks in school than about the idea of children getting shot in school. They worry more about the childhood trauma induced by not seeing everyone smile than about the childhood trauma of having to practice in case somebody bursts in with an assault rifle and demands payment of what this GOP openly accepts as the price of freedom. When the GOP spent so much of 2020 and 2021 blasting Democrats for closing and then imposing restrictions upon kids in schools due to COVID, it wasn't mainly because all this bothered parents. It was because it harmed kids. That was how they got to the hearts and minds of their most desired suburban swing vote demographic. COVID and guns are two very different issues, but it's the same governor or mayor or member of Congress, or school board official who is called upon to deal with both. No one who holds or aspires to such a position should dare pose as the champion for children against alleged democratic excesses as regards the one, while falling right in line with manifest Republican inaction as regards the other. You want to make schools all about parental rights? 
let's go ask the parents of Uvalde, Texas, how respected they feel their parental rights were on May 24th, 2022. My fellow suburban moms, you might trust the current trumped-up GOP with the physical and psychological well-being of our school kids. I do not.